Welcome to the How to Be a TV Star podcast in association with Plop Entertainment. Hello there, welcome to podcast number seven. The subject of the podcast today is treat your career as a business. Uh, for those of you who've been with us from the very start, you know exactly who I am. My name is Nick Piper, TV presenter and tutor. Uh, I do work at the National Institute of Dramatic Art here in Sydney, Australia. But in my spare time, if I have any, I like to develop entertainment packages and products and resources uh, with my good friend and co-founder of Plop Entertainment, Derek Sue, who has a bit more of a detailed breakdown of what we're going to be covering today. Hi, Nick. Yes, that's right. Because this week we're going to be talking about a very important subject, treating your career as a business. Basically, if you want to be treated seriously, you need to treat yourself seriously, and that means approaching your career as a full-on business with you as the CEO, developing and marketing your star product, you. Treating your career as a business. Setting yourself up as a business is vital if you want to be serious about anything, I guess. Now, at the moment, TV presenting for most of you is a hobby or an interest, uh, in order to transition from a hobby or an interest to the level of something that you'll seriously consider uh, as your career in the future, means you need to set yourself up as a business. It doesn't require a great deal of work, as I mentioned in the newsletter that accompanies this podcast. It's just five simple steps, basically. Let's go through those steps fairly briefly. Um, step number one, if you're going to treat it as a business, you need to spend time on your business. In other words, if you work a nine-to-five job, and you dedicate two hours of your TV business a day. For example, and that business work could be, for example, um, making contacts, uh, industry contacts, uh, recording television shows uh, with the VCR or for TV, uh, reviewing them, monitoring them, um, having a look at uh, various media outlets, information. Uh, again, it might just be simply practicing in front of your camera. Make sure that you actually stick to that strict time frame of the two hours. So you come home from work, and between 6 p.m. and 8 p.m., you dedicate as if you were working, walking into an office. As soon as you walk into that office space, and this is something which I'll touch on, your time starts from there. Now, it makes it easier if you set aside an area at home where you can keep your TV career business, etc. So you might want to set aside a desk with your computer, with a TV. Uh, you might want a filing cabinet. Like any home-based business, make sure it's a workspace only. So don't sit there and muck around and make casual calls. When you're in there, you are serious about your business. Number two, plan and advance the hours in the day that you will work on your TV career. So sit down on a Sunday and work out how many hours throughout the week you can dedicate. And it's no good doing four 50% hours. It's better to do um, two 100% hours. So be very, very pedantic with your time and be very useful with your time. Be very constructive with your time. It's very difficult if you're holding down a full-time job, but it's like anything like fitness, like good eating. You need to have a diary, have a journal, work out what you're going to do in that time, note it down, and do it. Number three, um, this is thinking out of the square a little bit. Register a business name and uh, set up a business account. Now, it's not to say that you're going to get a great deal of industry or transactions going in and out of that account initially, um, but registering a business name is a certificate that you can you know, put up on your wall, and having a business account means you then can um, write checks with your business name on it. Uh, you might not have a great deal of, sort of, uh, like I said, interaction in that first couple of months, but it is a step towards taking yourself seriously. Better still, spend a little bit of money on printing a few business cards. It does add to the professional image you're trying to create. 
um, and it's something you can hand out to people. They look at your business card, they see your name, and all of a sudden underneath it's TV presenter, stroke producer, TV presenter, stroke director, TV actor, etc. People will start taking you seriously. Point number four, and we touched on this in the last podcast, buy a wall planner and set some deadlines. Stick that wall planner where you can see it every time you work in, walk into your workspace. Different color codes, stickers, whatever, but make sure that you've got something measurable, something visual that you can work on. And number five, don't give up your day job. In order to treat your career as a business, it's important that you have the resources, the money, the patience, the determination to do so. By quitting your job on Monday just on a whim is not really thinking very cleverly. In other words, you see somebody on TV, they're a fantastic presenter, they project themselves well, and you all of a sudden are told by your friends that you could do a better job than that person. By Monday, you've quit your job, you've got no income, no money coming in, and you pretty much are living on the breadline for at least a good couple of years before your big paycheck comes in, your first big paycheck. Remember, you're going to be going to auditions. You're going to need money for your professional tools of the trade. You're going to need money just to live on. Don't give up your day job. Test out whether or not you can work for one hour or two hours a day uh, on your TV career. See if it works. If it works and it invigorates and excites you, then you know you can make a fuller commitment further down the track. But that's certainly from my view how a couple of steps or five steps that will get you treating your career as a business. Derek? Yeah, look, I think um, that's really great advice, uh, especially, I mean, just hearing it again, obviously. Um, look, putting that, making that schedule is very important. I sit down, at the, uh, as you said, on a Sunday, I sit out and I put down, map out exactly when I'm going to spend time on my career to make sure that I actually uh, follow through and actually take some action steps. At least, you know, every, try and do it every day, if not every second day. Um, and, and also just the point that you made about setting up a business name, setting up a business account, it's all about creating that mindset that you are taking yourself seriously. And I think that taking those proactive steps and in setting up those business entities really helps along in that respect. I think so. And, uh, it's a full on industry and it's incredibly intense and to sort of just dip your toe in initially, I think is the best way to go next week. Interesting topic Derek. Yes, next week we are going to be talking about sourcing industry experts, so make sure you tune in then. Now it's time for the fact of the week. Now it's time for the fact of the week. Richard Dean Anderson played the role of crime fighter MacGyver in the long-running TV series of the same name. It was only in the final ever episode that we discovered the character's first name. It was Angus. Are you a fan of MacGyver, Derek? I have to say, no, I never really got into that whole MacGyver thing. I was a bit, I was actually probably a bit more a fan of the, um, what was that other one? The Ferrari with the Tom. Ferrari. Oh, um. Magnum PI. Magnum that was, PI. That was the one I, I think I watched more and I think I've, really? I lost it after, after that. Yeah, no, um, MacGyver was always fascinating because of the fact that he could sort of dismantle a nuclear weapon using a paperclip or he could uh, jump off a cliff and land safely hundreds of metres below because he'd made a parachute, as he was falling, obviously, out of a uh, piece of fruit. It was a very resourceful guy. Richard Dean Anderson, of course, who is now starring in Stargate. So there we go. Um, Richard Dean Anderson, who actually started his career in film and then made the break into TV and can also be seen hosting um, numerous television specials, particularly those that look back at the history of TV. 
You're listening to the How to Be a TV Star podcast in association with Flop Entertainment. For more information, links and resources, please visit www.howtobeatvstar.com. Okay, it's time for Letters of the Week from our readers. And first up, we've got Belinda Joplin. She asks, are hard copy headshots, reels and resumes becoming obsolete? Good question, Belinda. Only last night at the National Institute of Dramatic Art, I was addressing this particular question uh, to a number of my students. And uh, about, a, about a year and a half ago, I would have said that the best way to send a showreel would have been VHS. Now, you might think that's a little strange given that technology has advanced to the point where everything is electronic now and, and, and on disc in a lot of cases. The reason why I was saying VHS is pretty simple. Um, it has a physicality to it. It's very easy to pick up and put in a player. Um, without the complications of searching for a menu or having chapters, etc. It's pretty simple. Um, but nowadays, my sort of opinion has changed dramatically from, uh, I guess, ease of accessibility. In other words, uh, what is the easiest format that most people will play? So the idea behind getting your tools of the trade together and making them an effective um, mechanism for finding work is making sure you call ahead to the people who are going to receive your tools of the trade and find out what is the best way of um, viewing your showreel. Now, some people will insist on a DVD, high-end or low-end. Some people will insist on high-end DVD. Now, what I mean by that is a lot of networks will have high-end DVD players, which are very sensitive to anything that hasn't been um, burnt uh, correctly or uh, composed professionally. Um, and it's really important that you make sure that they have, will definitely be able to view your product. Now, the way in which technology is moving nowadays is that everything is all about speed of delivery. In other words, if you were to shoot um, something 15 years ago in film, you would have to wait for the film to be developed, usually by the next morning, to actually see what the vision looked like. Now, of course, films have been... Um, being captured digitally, which means that the director can actually see an immediate playback of the footage. It's all about speed, and it's all about um, our attention spans lessening. We want to see something, we want to see it now. Talking to a leading producer here in Australia only recently, they did make a point that uh, gone are the days where you sent in 10-page treatments or synopsis of an idea for a show. Nowadays, they want it visual, and it needs to be two to three minutes, and they can make an instantaneous decision. So am I answering your question? Not really. I'm talking around it, Belinda. But ultimately, um, everything hard copy is becoming obsolete. Uh, The casting process in particular used to be a case of currying or posting your headshot, which is 8 by 10, your resume, which is A4, and your, let's say, um, VHS showreel across town. Now, just the dimensions of those three particular tools are difficult to send and a little bit clumsy and cumbersome to open etc now you're not going to opt for that nowadays when you can click onto a website see someone's headshot electronically listen to their voice demo view their showreel and obviously view their resume at the same time so are they becoming obsolete yes but the most important thing is that you adapt accordingly and build some kind of knowledge up in regards to how you view them how you can convert them Okay, um, and I think it's also valuable that you probably it's probably good at this point where we're at a kind of a junction to actually employ both means, and you really have to work out adapt to the person that you're speaking with. Because some people prefer DVD, some pre- people prefer VHS, some people are happy just to receive it in an email. So it always pays just to ask who you're sending it to, what they prefer. 
Okay, now um, we've got level letter number two from Bradley Jeffrey from Sydney, and he asks, what kind of chances do I have to succeed? Okay, well, I'm not going to bore you to death with a long-winded explanation. Um, I'm going to give you some facts and figures. Uh, now, these might be frightening. Uh, according to Encore magazine, which is a publication here in Australia, at any one time there are 30,000 actors or performers or artists who are out of work at any one time. Now, this is a city that's 4 million, a population of 4 million, and in New South Wales you're looking at about 6 to 7 million. Now, out of those 30,000, only approximately 6 to 7,000 have some form of representation. Now, if you're doing the figures, you can almost assume that half of those people are being told to multi-skill. And what I mean by that is 6 or 7,000 actors all right, may have representation, but there's not an awful lot of local drama production that's currently being made. So their agents are telling them to multi-skill, learn how to do voiceovers, learn how to do radio, learn how to write, learn how to sing, learn how to present. Now, if you look at, let's just say, this is my guesstimate, half of those people are multi-skilling as TV presenters. You're looking at 3,500 people in our particular city here, and obviously it's applicable to wherever you live, um, who are training as a presenter. Now, Encore also guesstimated that there are approximately four primetime television TV presenter jobs available every 12 months. Now, that's full-time. Now, if you divide four by 3,500, you can get an idea of how difficult it is to succeed in this business. Now, when you say succeed, I always look upon success in TV as being something you can actually do for a long time. Over the period of 15 to 20 years, you're regularly in work, you're a reliable face, you're a reliable profile. Getting one gig isn't really enough to say that you've succeeded in television. So your chances, um, Bradley, are very, very slim, but that's the whole reason why I think all of those 30,000 people are in it for that chance of getting their big break because you have to be in to win. It's like sitting at home on a Saturday night w wishing that you could win the lottery and not having a ticket you're guaranteed to fail. Whereas if you throw yourself in this business, and the business is broadening. Um, the programming is becoming more diverse. There are more satellite channels being made. So there are chances there for people um, increasingly to show off their individual skills and personalities to make a career out of it. Absolutely. And and uh, as Nick was mentioning, it is broadening. Um, there is work. I only just spoke to a friend of mine who's a presenter and she was auditioned for a, um, for a job for one, the mobile networks. So there's programming that's being made for the mobile telephones, being made for the internet now, and obviously, as Nick mentioned, all the all the uh, cable channels. So there is a a broad range of work you can get as a presenter, corporate videos, etc., uh, and not just TV presenting. So uh, for a for a a major network. So if you look at it from that broad perspective, um, and and encompass those areas, I think that you know you can look at it that there is a reasonable chance if you're dedicated that you can find your place within within that. And just one last thing, and I've gone on long enough for this particular answer, Bradley, but um, it's amazing the number of people who succeed are usually the ones who don't have a huge amount of talent but certainly have bucketfuls of um, you know, um, dedication. Uh, they're very inspired to get in the business no matter what. And there are so few people doing the right things and taking the right steps. So hang in there. Uh, all you need to do is follow the appropriate steps, which we, we do our very best to make sure that you know. But we know there are a heck of a lot of people out there who know the right things to do but don't do them. 
So just you know, keep your head down and, and, and keep working hard and keep knocking on doors and you'll, you'll get through. Uh, thanks very much. So two great questions this week, Derek. I'm sure you'll agree. Um, if you do have any questions for us, we'd love to get your emails or your letters and there's one simple place to uh, send them to. That's right. Just email us at askus, that's A-S-K-U-S, at howtobeatvstar.com. Okay, look, before we leave you guys, just want to make a quick mention that about our How To Be A TV Star program. Uh, it comes with a whole bunch of great information, but I just want to talk about one of the bonuses that we do throw in there, and that's the Showreel Secrets Revealed Manual. And Nick's put this together. He's had a tremendous experience in putting showreels together, having put over 250 for TV presenters around Sydney and around Australia. So tell us, Nick, what, what sort of information can we expect to find in that manual? Uh, well, it's actually, I tell you what, it's, it's not so much uh, information as it is dissecting everything that is done wrong traditionally with showreels. And through our experience, and Derek only knows too well about this because he's put together a number of showreels for himself and he's had varying degrees of success with them, as have I, is that a showreel at the end of the day can't be about you. It needs to be about you, but you don't make it for yourself. You make it for whoever's going to be watching it. And I think a lot of people, particularly with Showreel Secrets Revealed, the research that we conducted in order to put this publication together wasn't so much what you can do right as opposed to what most people do wrong. And there's a couple of things that we touch on. For example, and not, not many people know this, but the attention span of most casting directors is very short, not because they're stupid or lack knowledge, it's just they don't have a great deal of time. They, they can't take five minutes to make a decision about you. So often they will play what they call the 30-second rule. In other words, as soon as your DVD or your VHS showreel goes into their player, they'll give you approximately 30 seconds before they know whether or not you are right for the gig that they are looking for. And, of course, that eject button is pushed. So one thing that we cover in Showreel Secrets Revealed is ensure that after 30 seconds you've covered the important things. Number one, we know your name. Number two, we know how to pronounce your name because you've told us what your name sounds like. We know what you sound like. We know what you look like. We can gauge a little bit of your personality. Now, most people will spend the first 30 seconds of their showreel with a fancy montage and a bit of a, um, almost like a pop video of their portfolio photos and bits and part they might have had on a local drama, um, even uh, pop videos they've been involved in. And that actually defeats the whole purpose. A TV presenter showreel is about getting as much of you across in as short a time as possible. And the showreel secrets revealed has a number of devices in which you can do that and achieve it professionally and properly. That's right. So uh, if you want to find out a little bit more about that, just go to the website, howtobetvstar.com. Um, there'll also be a few samples of showreels that we've produced so you can see some uh, examples of uh, what we feel is a, is a good showreel. Well, that's it for another podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Good luck. Oh, I've got a really croaky voice. It feels like I've talked a lot longer than I should have today. So oh, this is the bonus. There we go. It's a bonus for you listeners. Um, my name is Nick Piper, and it's goodbye from me. Good luck with your TV careers. And for me, Derek Sue, it's also goodbye. We'll catch you guys next time. You've been listening to the How to Be a TV Star podcast in association with Flop Entertainment. More information, resources, and links can be found at www.howtobeatvstar.com. 